What is up, everyone? Welcome into a new episode of the Hangout in the Holy Land, the flagship podcast for the Land Grant Holy Land network of podcasts. My name is Colton Denning, and I'm coming to you in the afternoon of Wednesday, or Tuesday, I guess, Tuesday, October 8th, 2019. You're probably hearing me on Wednesday, but I'm coming to you from lovely Oakland, California. Hope all of you guys, wherever you are, are having a wonderful time. I'm headed to back home to Colorado this week where it's 80 degrees right now, and then the day after I get in, it's supposed to be like 30 and snowy. So hope wherever you are is nicer than where I'm about to head. But I am here to do a little bit of a shorter show this week since Ohio State is on the bye week. We got to wait until next Friday for them to play at Northwestern, but figured we still do an episode this week and get a little content out there. And uh, because of that, since there, there really isn't a ton to break down other than maybe doing a full episode of like, where, what do we think Ohio State, where do we think they stand after six weeks, which everybody else is doing, I thought instead of hearing me talk about that, I could ask you guys what you think about Ohio State through six games of the season, talk about what you're most surprised about, and uh, just get your general thoughts on what you think about the Buckeyes so far this season. So we got a mailbag episode today that I'm going to try to keep a little bit shorter, but I'm excited to read your guys' questions and comments about that and break that down, and then we will start gearing up for Northwestern next week. My biggest takeaway from the first six Ohio State games, now that I've had a little bit of time to look over the stats and everything, is that I have been calling Justin Fields a freshman for the first two months of the season. And uh, yeah, he's he's not a freshman, guys. I'm wrong. I'm really disappointed that somebody didn't point that out to me because that's, that's bad. That's where I need a co-host. Patrick Mayhorn, where, where are you, my friend? I need your help here. But um, yeah, so Justin Fields, not, not a freshman. He is a sophomore, and we are only six starts into his career, so he's still kind of a freshman, and I'm sure that's probably why I felt that way. But Justin Fields, uh, just looking at his stats right now, pretty pretty awesome for uh, such a young quarterback. So we'll talk about him a little bit more as the show goes on, but I, I had to say that because I finally realized it like when I was in the shower. It was one of those just like random things that pops into your head, and I was just like, oh, shit, I've actually been doing that. Wow, for the last two months. So yeah, don't ever podcast solo. You always need somebody to help you out here. And that's why I asked you all to help me out by getting on Twitter at HolyLandPod, which... Please follow along with the show there and send your feedback. But the other day I asked for questions there, and it was, how are you feeling about Ohio State at the midpoint of the season? What has surprised you most? What are your bold predictions for the rest of the season as well? Uh, and we got we got some good responses that I'm going to read here on the show, and we might as well just start right now and get into it. Uh, first with Joe who says he's most surprised with the offensive line and that his take is that Ohio State will be one of the last two teams standing this season. Now, Joe was one of the only people who said the offensive line, just looking through it, I think he was uh, the only one, and I think that's where I am at as well. Like We're going to talk about the defense, which is obviously the key talking point for everybody and has been on this show for the last like two and a half years is how rough uh, some of the the defensive play we saw was. But offensive line was a spot coming in that I think we all were kind of 
most intrigued about, like a little bit under the radar, I guess, of how are these guys going to do? There's some new starters there. There's guys that haven't played at a super high level when they've been in. And then you get Jonah Jackson, a transfer from Rutgers coming in. Like, how is this all going to work? Plus, you finally have the transition to Ryan Day and him taking full control of the control of the offense so what's this thing going to look like how's how's this underperforming line going to do and through six games they are arguably the best unit in the country like at least from a statistical perspective because they're, they're not getting Justin Fields killed I think a lot of the times you see him under pressure and that we've seen it so far this season has been guys just haven't either been getting open or Fields has just been kind of slow making a decision we we haven't necessarily seen a lot of just like immediate pressure saw it a little bit against Michigan State but they really held their own especially after that that rough first quarter they were able to get things back going protect fields and then run block and on that note of being able to run the ball that's really been I think what has sparked this offense into being as good as it's been so far because they're, they're the best rushing team in the country just by pure numbers if you look they have they're already over 1700 yards rushing this season which is tops in the country uh 1731 they are fifth in average yards per rush so at 6.1 only houston georgia louisiana lafayette and oklahoma are higher so ohio state's just running the ball at an insane clip right now at the the midpoint of the season and just doing a little bit more digging on this and just how impressive the run game has been and if it's going to continue this way how great it will be uh, they're right now they're on pace for 3462 rushing yards which that's not even counting any other extra games they might play in the postseason whether it's big 10 championship bowl game college football playoff games whatever it may be they're already on pace for almost 3500 yards rushing and just going back and looking, I think only that 2013 group, which like may have been the best rushing attack in Ohio State history, is higher right now. They had 3,800 through 12 games and then 4,321 in 14 games when you accounted for the Big Ten Championship against Michigan State and that bowl game against Clemson. That was an insane running back core. Uh, Braxton Miller at quarterback, he went over a thousand yards. Carlos Hyde had like 1,700 yards rushing. This group, I don't think, is quite that from a numbers perspective, but they might be just as good, which is insane to say with how well they've been throwing the ball because that team could throw, but it wasn't necessarily what they were great at. This team can do both, and it starts with the line, but also I think it's really just a program-wide thing, an offense-wide thing, because the line's been better, but the improved play calling or schemes from Ryan Day, I think, have made a big difference. Uh, Justin Fields being in the mix and being just a different quarterback than Dwayne Haskins, more obviously more of a, a dual-threat guy and somebody you can expect to use his legs and defenses have to account for it. That plays a part as well, and just his talent in running the ball. But then you have J.K. Dobbins, who we heard all offseason was on this mission to get back to where he was in 2017. 
And that wasn't a farce. That was a, a real story that we're seeing the, the fruits of as this season goes on. He just looks awesome. He looks even better than he did in his freshman season. And you pair that up with Master Teague stepping up and, and really looking like he's a guy that maybe deserves a couple of more carries early. I know that's something I'm super intrigued about is like, how can they get Master Teague a little bit more involved? But at the same time, you don't want to take away from what J.K. Dobbins is doing. So that's a really good problem for this run game to have. That might be their biggest problem right now is how to get uh, Master Teague more involved. And when you look at the last couple of years, their problems being that J.K. Dobbins was trying to hit a few too many home runs. The line blocking was spotty at best, and they didn't have a quarterback who could run, but they were trying to use schemes that they used in the past with running quarterbacks. Now it's kind of all flipped on its head. All of those things are clicking, and you really see uh, what a top-level run game looks like. So all those fears everybody had, probably myself included a little bit, of like, oh, Ryan Day's going to take over, and this is just going to be a passing offense. No, th- this might be up there with Urban Meyer's best rushing offense, not just at Ohio State, but in his career. So Ryan Day kind of has that reputation as a, as a guy who loves to throw. And this team was kind of saddled with that after what they did last year through the air. But they're running the ball better than almost everyone in the country, at least as good as anyone else in the country is right now. So uh, I think for me, that's, I agree with Joe, that is, that is the thing I'm most surprised with. I, I thought it would be better than it was last year or even 2017 and 16, but I, I'm pretty much shocked that they're as good running the ball as they have been this season, and the offensive line deserves a ton of credit for that. And before I just say that Joe was the only one that said that, we also had a tweet from Chris who says, toss-up between strength of the offensive line and how quickly the defense has adapted to Halfley and Madison's new scheme. His bold prediction is CFP final, which I think is the same as Joe's when he said one of the last two teams standing in. uh, To get to the second part of what Chris said about uh, how the defense has adapted to Jeff Halfley and Greg Madison's New scheme, that was our our most sent in one about the biggest surprise right now was the defense. Robert McKee also said, uh, much improved linebacker play and defensive schemes. Dragon Sound says, I'm the most surprised by how quickly the defense has been fixed. We had athletes before, but Halfley and Madison have turned them into a monstrous unit. And uh, E also says, I was surprised by the vast improvement on defense from last season. I'm in the same boat about being surprised about the defense. But with a caveat, like I didn't expect them to be great this quick. Like they're third in defensive SP plus right now, only behind uh, Oregon and let's see, Michigan. So Ohio State at third, and they're really not that far behind. They're like a percentage point behind Michigan for second. I didn't expect that through six weeks of the season. But like how, how surprised should we really be that this defense is much better than what they were the past two seasons. Like we, we knew what the problem was. It was Greg Schiano, and they got rid of the problem, and they brought in two guys in Greg Madison and Jeff Halfley who are smart and realize what works in college football today, and I don't want to discount both of those guys because they've, they've done a great job, and I think that they fit really well in, in Halfley especially. He, he's a guy that is not 
probably going to be at Ohio State very long because he has a great trajectory ahead of him, and he's going to be a defensive coordinator solely by himself, either at this level or in the NFL very soon. So I don't want to just say like Ohio State could have fired Greg Schiano, let Alex Grinch go, and hired any two other defensive coordinators, and they would be as good as they were or as good as they are this year. But I think a lot of it was really just like, hey, let's get rid of the guy who does bad things and bring in two guys who do good things. Because we, we've we always known Ohio State had the athletes. Like, I, I never looked at last year's defense outside of you-know-who and you-know-who at linebacker and said, like, oh, the, these guys shouldn't be playing at Ohio State. They don't look like they're very good. Because in 2017, we saw a guy like Jerome Baker look lost, like he was on another planet, like he didn't know what he was doing. And in 2016, he had one of the greatest seasons in school history. So there there was that to go back to of just like, you let go of the bad thing and good things start happening because there's athletes on the two deep of this roster everywhere defensively. And now you're starting to see guys play to their strengths. You're starting to see Jeff Okuda make interceptions because he can see the ball. He can make plays on the ball. He's one of the best athletes in the country. He's going to be a top 10 pick. You see him having this monstrous season and you pair that up with what the defensive line already does with Larry Johnson. Now you have a defense that is in full concert and even the linebackers, Baron Browning especially, he's he's looked much better in this scheme than what he has in the past. And I'm sure more of that is due to experience. That's not just a new scheme, but he looks rejuvenated and looks like he knows what he's doing. Even Pete Warner looks like he is put into much better positions than he has been in the past. So a lot of that is due to Madison and Halfley. And I think a lot of that is also due to just like, they got rid of a couple of bad coaches and they're finally doing things that fit with their players. So it's surprising that they've been as good as they have been, I think. But it's not shocking that they've been a lot better because the past two seasons were honestly just unacceptable. Getting back to the offense, Jimmy Woodford says, Feeling good. Don't feel like they've played a complete best game yet. I've been surprised by fields the most. Bold prediction is they continue to get better and run the table to a national title. So you guys are you guys are feeling uh, how Ohio State is looking right now and some of the postseason or college football playoff aspirations. That, uh, that this team has. I think we'll learn a little bit more over the next two or three weeks about that. And honestly, once we get to November, once this team plays Wisconsin and Penn State, I think we'll really have an idea. But as of right now, it's hard to disagree that they don't look like one of the best teams in the country, if not the best. But to his point on Fields, yeah, what, what else can you really say about Justin Fields at this point? I know we were all so excited about him when we came in and if you paid any attention to the recruiting process and what he was in high school, it was easy to just think this kid's going to be a star. This kid under Ryan Day is just going to get to the next level. And it's not surprising that he's really good. I just think it's surprising that he's been as good as he has been so quickly. Like, did anybody really think that unless you have the most scarlet colored glasses on? It was hard to think that Justin Fields could just come in and be immediately like a Heisman contender, despite the track record for Ryan Day, despite what we've 
what we know about Justin Fields as a prospect and how highly rated he was, you know, famously above Trevor Lawrence and that recruiting class. Um, Fields has just been amazing. And then, you know, we get to the, the Michigan State game after five games of just tearing up defenses, mostly through the air, but also a little bit on the ground and showcasing what he can do when they really let him do his thing, running the ball. And then the first quarter against Michigan State happens. And you think, okay, how much of that was just because Ohio State was playing bad opponents or they could just out-scheme those guys? And then for the rest of the game, there was a couple of mistakes. There was the interception. There was another dropped pass that should have been an interception. There were a couple of high throws early on. There was the fumble late in the game. But that Michigan State defense is nasty. They're going to make a lot of quarterbacks look bad. And Fields didn't even look bad against them. He looked pretty damn good. He was able to right the ship. And the whole offense, really, was able to right the ship against Michigan State. But I was blown away with his composure and the way that he rebounded. And I know earlier in the season, I kept hammering home the point that like everybody wants to talk about his athleticism, but it's the composure and the leadership. We saw that on display against Michigan State because they could have really been down in the dumps and that could have been a game that that dragged on and could have been close in the fourth quarter or been a game that Michigan State pulled the upset often because the offense didn't get it going. But they fought through that first quarter, then put up over 500 yards and over seven yards per play against one of the best defenses in the nation. You don't just do that. You don't just do that with a quarterback making his sixth start in a primetime game with a national audience with uh, huge implications against the team and a defense that has given you trouble. That's so impressive, and I'm just blown away with everything that Justin Fields brings to the table, whether it's the athleticism, the leadership, the composure, and just his ability to kind of process everything and play quarterback at a super high level at Ohio State right after Dwayne Haskins and right after JT Barrett. Like That's the thing none of us are talking about. There has been almost like two decades now of sustained excellence at quarterback for Ohio State and the last seven years basically has been two guys and JT Barrett is whatever you think about him he's one of the most lauded quarterbacks in school history hard to replace him Dwayne Haskins comes in has the greatest statistical season in the in school history and Big Ten history and to have to follow that as a new quarterback who was brought in as a transfer who'd never started before and through six games you're doing this that's unbelievable. So Justin Fields, as much as anything, too, as much as I want to talk about the offensive line, he is right there. That's pretty much it for your guys' thoughts on surprises for Ohio State so far this season. Thank you to everybody who sent those in and got them on the show. Uh, remember, at Holy Land Pod is where you can send them to. Also, I'm at Dubsco. You can reach me there as well. I'll talk about whatever you have to say here on the show. But I'm going to take a quick break, and when I come back, We're going to get into a few other tweets that you guys sent. Adam Porter had a really good one about who's the real threat to Ohio State and the Big Ten. I'll talk about that after this break right here on the Hangout in the Holy Land. Welcome back into the Hangout in the Holy Land. I am taking all of your questions and comments about how Ohio State has looked through six games this season. And I think this one 
is my favorite one so far from Adam Porter. He says, do you think that the Wisconsin and Penn State games are getting underhyped relative to how dangerous they are? I feel like Ohio State's defense, especially the linebackers, were lucky from Michigan State's unforced errors with errant throws slash drops that Penn State and Wisconsin won't make. Yes, I definitely think both of these games are being underhyped, and there's probably a couple of legitimate reasons for that. One, the Wisconsin game, even though it's two games from now, still isn't, it's three weeks away. Um, And the Penn State game is just so far off in the distance, November 23rd, that all you can really do is be like, oh, well, they play Penn State before Michigan. Maybe Penn State will still be, be really good at that point. Maybe they'll have a couple losses. We just don't know. So that's one reason both of these games are probably underhyped. And the second one, too, is that, oh, yeah, they're, they're both good teams, but Ohio State gets both at home. So it's easier to just say, okay, Ohio State's rolling through this portion of the schedule. Right now they look like one of the best teams in the country. Who do they have left? Okay, we know they play Michigan to end the season. It looks like they're going to beat Michigan again. Who else is on here that they could potentially lose to? your first eyes go to Wisconsin and Penn State, and it looks a lot easier to think Ohio State is going to win those games when they're both at home. You know, if one of them was either at Wisconsin or in Happy Valley, then I think you would probably hear more people talking about like, oh, Wisconsin or Penn State might clip these guys. And I don't, not that it doesn't matter because you'd obviously rather have Ohio State play both of these games at home, but I don't think Wisconsin or Penn State is going to be super intimidated coming into Ohio Stadium and you know going toe-to-toe. But I do think that both of these teams present challenges to Ohio State in different ways, whether it's Wisconsin's run game. you know I know that for the most part, they've done a pretty good job. I'm still, I keep saying it, still worried about the linebackers. They had a little bit of trouble with Michigan State's running backs in space. And if you have trouble with Michigan State's running game in space, then you're going to have trouble with Jonathan Taylor in space. So I don't think that's going to be a walk in the park by any measure. And Wisconsin's one of those games where like, we know Ohio State is more talented than them every single season. But it doesn't matter because they just play so disciplined, so sound on both sides of the ball. We know that that defense is really good. Their offensive line is young, but they've continued to get better. They look like they're one of the best lines in the country, and so they're going to have to match up with that. That's going to present its own challenge. And just given what we know about the series history between these two, that game's probably going to be close. Penn State, also, usually a close game. Last two have been just nuts. Last three, really, going back to 2016, have just been crazy games. Penn State is the one team I think left on the schedule where if if you hear people talk about like how are you going to beat Ohio State, who's left, even more so than Michigan, Penn State has the athletes on both sides of the ball. Whether it's on defense, they're 16th in SP+. They got one of the best young linebackers in the country and Micah Parsons. And then offensively, more so than any other team on the schedule, they have athletes out wide to give Ohio State fits. K.J. Hamler is the first guy. Sean Clifford has played really well in his first year as starting quarterback there. And they have some, they have some really good young 
uh, running backs, whether it's Journey Brown, Noah Kane, they have guys that they will give the ball and rotate in and that can just go out and make plays. So that that's really the one game where Ohio State can't just roll out and out-athlete Penn State. It's probably going to be another close game. It's in a tough spot before that Michigan game. And, you know, I'm, I'm very interested to watch Penn State more closely in the next couple of weeks because they haven't played the greatest schedule. They played Pittsburgh, and that game was a little weird. But other than that, they played Purdue, Maryland, Buffalo, and Idaho. The next three weeks, they play at Iowa, Michigan, at Michigan State, and then even at Minnesota. We're going to learn a lot about Penn State in the month of October, and they could conceivably win all of those games. I don't think it would be the most shocking thing in the world to see Penn State come into that game either unbeaten or with one loss, and that being for the Big Ten East title. Like, that's James Franklin as much as I make fun of him or other people want to make fun of him for in-game management or clock management decisions. He knows how to recruit, and he knows how to put players and his coaches in good situations. So if I had to pick one of the two, uh, the Wisconsin game is tough. We, we just know that it's going to be a meat grinder. They're probably a better team overall, but I think that Penn State provides a bigger challenge for Ohio State, not just with the athletes, but that game also being before Michigan and just the way Penn State has played them the last couple of seasons. Thanks to Adam Porter for that tweet. That was a good one that I feel like we could really do our own episode about through this bye week. It's just talking about what's left on Ohio State's schedule, who poses the biggest threat. But it's it's clearly those teams and whoever, whoever you, want, you want to pick. I don't think you can go wrong with either one of them. The last tweet I will get to here and then wrap up today's show is from David Neald, who says, I don't want to overreact, but... We're definitely going to perform back-to-back shutouts of Bama and Clemson in the playoffs, and then the playoff committee will be so impressed they'll hand us two CFP trophies. You know what, David? I would just be happy if Ohio State scored three points against Clemson after what happened last time. That would be an improvement over what we saw against Clemson in the last college football playoff. So hopefully they get that chance. I really want to see Ohio State play either Alabama or Clemson this season to, to see where they match up because we haven't gotten to see it since 2014. That's really been one of the shames about watching Clemson on this rise is other than playing them in 2016, Ohio State's just been out of the playoffs. And as much as we want to say and laud about how good they've been and how many how few games they've lost and how much talent they've put into the NFL, the last two teams standing almost every year since Ohio State won the national championship have been Clemson and Alabama. And Clemson, honestly, they took the spot that we all kind of thought Ohio State was going to take after they won that national championship. And uh, I hope we get to see that again and see a better performance. So still a long time until then, but Ohio State is definitely on the right track. Thanks to all you guys for sending in your tweets and your comments. You can do so all season. Just reach out to us at Holy Land Pod. I am also at Dubsco. As a site, we are on Twitter at LandGrant33. And make sure to follow along with the Hangout in the Holy Land and the rest of the podcasts we have here on the LandGrant Holy Land Network, either on Apple Podcasts, subscribe there, leave a comment, leave a review. We have podcasts coming to you every single day of the week. And also follow along on Spotify. Just search Land Grant Holy Land. 
click follow and every new episode that drops will be delivered straight to you whether you have spotify premium or regular don't have to worry about it it'll always get right to you you just hit download and all of that audio goodness will be sent straight to your ears you'll have to wait until next week to hear me again though no game this week means no recap podcast so be on the lookout for the northwestern preview to drop next wednesday we'll talk about the Wildcats, and hopefully a little bit of playing on Friday night. That's something new. Maybe I'll get your guys' thoughts on Ohio State playing a Friday night game. I think that's that's pretty cool. I think it'll be a fun environment, and we get to see Ohio State against uh, another good defense. The, that Northwestern offense, I don't know how they're going to do much of anything, but this is another awesome test for Justin Fields and the offense because Northwestern's defense is very good. We'll get into that and more on next week's podcast. Until then, though, I want to thank you guys one last time for listening to the show. I'm still a little bit sick. I hope that the episode was decent and my voice isn't too crazy, but I appreciate you guys listening to the show. My name is Colton Denning. This is the Hangout in the Holy Land, and go Bucks.